Mr. Hahn? You fought well yesterday. Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. The winning. We are all ready to win, just as we are born knowing only life. It is defeat that you must learn to prepare for. I don't waste my time with it. When it comes, I won't even notice. Oh, how so? I'll be too busy looking good. What were you looking for when you attacked my guards? Wasn't me. You were the only man outside the palace. I was outside, but I wasn't the only one. You will tell me who else. Mr. Han, suddenly I'd like to leave your island. It is not possible. Bullshit, Mr. Handman. Man, you come right out of a comic book. Apologies for the delay. We've had some technological difficulties, unfortunately, technical difficulties. I am the Afronaut, per usual. I'm going to try to get the captain to get in in a moment. Folks, we just got back, literally just got back from checking out Deadpool 2, so I'm pretty sure you're going to want to know what we thought about it. Uh, let's try to get the intro going properly. We'll do the damn thing, and also I will get, of course, the captain in tow. Let's get into it. You're traveling to another radio show. Broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are past the imagination. Beyond air signs appeared. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturday, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondents, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. I'm your host, as I said at the top of the show. Apologies for the technical difficulties. These things happen. Unfortunately, they happen per usual via Block Talk Radio, but that is what it is. The call-in number, I think that's working, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Let me bring in the captain. I want to go to a musical interlude, and then we're going to do what we do. Cap, are you there? 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, now. Okay. Can you hear anything before? I know. Uh, my PC was doing its update thing, and it decided to get to 100% approximately 559. Wow. <laughs> After like 10 this morning. Anyway, folks, let's go to this groove, and then we'll just chop it up. Uh, as I said, the call-in number, I think that's working. I think it's working. Prince America live from Nice. We'll be right back. Oh, two and a half minutes. Let's groove. Et maintenant, mesdames et messieurs, Prince and the Revolution. Prince Rogers Nelson 
live from Nice. That's actually from the video presentation. Again, simply America. That's a different America, isn't it? Uh, from Donald Glover's This is America. Anyway, folks, I'm back live and direct. At least I'm live and direct eventually. This is the Grindhouse. My partner in White Collar Crime, he is the captain. Captain, you might as well go through all of our, you know, pomp and circumstance. Captain, you need it on the bridge. Let's just get to it. That was a weird one. People said they could, they could actually hear the call also. That saying that your call cannot go through is dialed. That's a first. Hey, you know, hmm. listen. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you have to fear machines taking over. Talk yep. about human error. You know, there's still, uh, you know, AI error, I think. Um, folks, listen. You know what time it is. We do what we always do. Um, we're going to talk about Deadpool 2. Mind you, we also did one of our infamous, our growing, growing infamous um, video presentations right after having seen the film. I will confess that I thoroughly enjoyed Deadpool 2. And I will say right from the jump that it is a feast for the eyes and I don't think that Deadpool gets enough credit as far as its CGI handiwork, mostly because it was, it's a cheaper-made film. It doesn't necessarily have to be over-the-top, let's say, like Infinity War. But it was encroaching on Infinity War status, I think, because of some of the cameos that we ended up seeing in the film. And I think that, uh, if anything... Deadpool, Deadpool is necessary. Deadpool is necessary. Why do I think it's necessary? Because there's this, there's this, this shadow cloud that overhangs this culture, and it has a big billboard on this cloud that says fatigue. And I believe I saw a a review of Deadpool too that said, you know, fatigue in uh, quotes, meaning that. This film, if there's ever a foreshadowing for superhero fatigue, it does not, let me repeat, it does not start with this film. It just doesn't. And a lot of it has to do with the fact, because of its very nature, it's, a, it's always been a ribald fourth, fourth wall presentation. So the jokes, the giggles, they don't stop coming. But I will say also, is that uh, it, 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 it's a great balancing act because, listen, for the folks that are really deeply invested in the culture and in the mythology, it still maintains that balance. We know that there's a, a Disney-Fox deal. If Comcast you know, doesn't intervene, even though it looks like that's going down, there's going to be a, a battle going on. But let's assume that the Disney-Fox deal still continues, that, that it, it comes to fruition sometime late next year. What we saw in this film should still be able to world build on that. Um, wow. I, I, you know, it's, it's difficult to... I, again, I don't, want to give, I don't want to give anything away. You know, this is not going to be a spoiler-filled broadcast. Uh, again, I must emphasize that there are, I think, at least 
two after credit or mid credit scenes. There really isn't an after credit scene. So, you know, as it approaches the, approaches the credits, credit scene. So you don't have to wait for the very end, but you do have to kind of, you know, stick in there for a little bit. Um, I think $301 million and counting thus far globally is the takedown. I believe 125 in the last couple of days. So it's definitely going to make its money. I think it toppled Avengers Infinity War. So, but yeah, listen, there's no cry for me, Argentina, with Infinity War. I think Infinity War is like $1.8 billion, I believe. So, and even, and even Black Panther, still making money, still making money, and the download and the 4K Blu-ray are available for your edification. <laughs> it's still going down. I think it's going to probably make around $700 million domestically so it is what it is uh i have more to say but i'm going to pass the mic to the captain captain give the audience your impressions your thoughts about deadpool 2 well here's the thing from the powers that be standpoint you're supposed to have you're supposed to have you're supposed to have superhero fatigue well we've been we've been at this what for 10 years now about that Maybe a little, little bit longer than 10 years, a little bit longer, and this, this heavy rotation with uh, superhero movies. So the think tank comes out and says, this is the way you're supposed to think. This is the way you're supposed to feel. This is what's supposed to be going on. That's what drums up a lot of this stuff. Oh, you know, you got superhero fatigue. But you, will, you really don't hear too many people really saying that on the ground. You don't really hear it there. You hear it from the think tank, you know, where these big articles are written, not the smaller blogs, the big articles, you know, certain magazines, I won't get into, allegedly, you know, you know, these magazines. So it's a think tank that's around. Like they're slightly upset too, you know. Sometimes you got to use the term, a little bit of hating going on to a certain extent. Why are the people into this stuff? This stuff is shallow. Some of it isn't, some of it is not. Black Panther was not a shallow movie. You tell them to kiss your ass when it comes to that. You know, that I think Iron Man 1 was not a shallow movie. You tell them to kiss your ass when it comes to that. But anyway, you have some of that going on. Now, did I have a little superhero fatigue starting at the beginning of this year? Maybe, maybe so. But Black Panther got rid of a lot of that. Uh, Infinity War, I thought more or less was the formula-driven movie. It was, a, it was shallow, but it's a clean-up movie that you have to do. Deadpool. Now we go to Deadpool. Of course, this is a different warehouse. This is not Disney, so there's a difference going on. You know, they have you know different properties, different different uh, production houses. We speak about that all the time there, from time to time. Now, but this movie is that necessary evil. It's a fun, zany, totally ludicrous, madness type of party, you know, that you do remember. You know, you, as a, those of you who went to college or if you can remember early in your 20s, 30s, you no know, 20s, you might have went to a couple of few wild parties. You've had the wild party where you had fun, and then there's some of you, not all of you, I hope not, some of you, you went to the wild party where you're doing the drugs and you don't remember the night. That's worthless. 
This is a college party where you can remember the night you had a little alcohol. Maybe you had a little weed. You didn't go too crazy. <laughs> you know, you didn't go too crazy. And you said, I had a great time. You know, let, let's do that again maybe another six months or so. You don't want to do that all the time. It was a great time. That's what you have here in Deadpool. It's one of those. You know, I enjoyed the movie. I had fun. That's what it is. I had fun. Uh, Mr. Ryan Reynolds, he did some finishing his breakfast in this. What do I mean by that? What does the term finish your breakfast? Exactly that. Things that you were supposed to do and clean up, handle early in your life, you know, now you're finishing your breakfast. It might be the evening time, might be the afternoon time. You clean it up. You clean your plate. You have to watch the movie for that to understand that. We probably go deeper in come Wednesday. More spoilers when we bring in Daryl B. But it's fun. I think you should go see it. It's a put your feet up moment and laugh. And I also feel that this is maybe I have to go watch it again because some of the some of the jokes, some of the kill points, maybe I missed, but maybe not. I, I normally get most of these things. Most of the time I get it, but I may want to watch watch it again just to see. There's a lot of cleaning up. There's a lot of. There's also some going at DC in this, which is good. You know how I feel about DC. <laughs> at this given point, the fish man is coming to save DC. The fish man, the fish man. So you know how I feel about DC. At this given point, hopefully they're able to rectify this situation. But a lot of fun, man. Just a lot. Just have. Just have fun, man. You know. Just have fun. It is that necessary evil. Just have fun. Back over to you, Alphamir. Just a few more things also. Again, uh, just to kind of get into some of the metrics with Deadpool 2. Um, at least what they've disclosed is that the budget is $110 million, which is essentially double the first, the first film. So uh, maybe Mr. Reynolds kind of broke his promise. I believe that, that he was going to go bigger and better. Uh, and it was it was bigger and better, but I thought they might have they really were going to go full body karate with the budget. So I mean, 110 million is still um, quite reasonable, reasonable, more than reasonable for these kind of films. Because you know, listen, normally these these films go they go they blow past 200 million easily, or you know, 175, 180, 190, 200, and and beyond. So um, I. I Listen, for some of the CGI work, and again, we're not talking about Infinity War CGI work. Not quite. That's when you start to see the differences in the films. But you could tell that they spent a lot of money on this, or more money, because they really went deeper into some of the mythology and some of the cameos. Again, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but some of the cameos, um, you could see where the budget went, where that budget went for. Um, went to, pardon me. And, you know, uh, I appreciate this from the first film that one of my complaints about Fox Marvel films is that they play dress up when they need to have some of these characters as CGI characters. So I really appreciate the, the, um, Colossus character who we know from the first film that, that he looks like Colossus. I mean, he looks like the Colossus that we grew up reading. So, I mean, that's just that he is certainly Colossus. But then there are other 
or I should say one other character who will, re, who will remain unnamed that we saw in a previous Fox iteration that in this iteration, this character looks exactly like he's supposed to look, unquestionably. So that made me feel very good. So, and, and again, when you go to, to the effort of having the character look this way or characters look this way, it lends credence for its ability to mesh in with the MCU. I mean, there's just no way. Matter of fact, I could definitely see a battle between certain MCU characters based on what I saw a few hours ago. Um, I thought that Josh Brolin brought it. Um, the, the only issue I have with him is not that it's not that he was not that uh, he didn't portray Cable faithfully. His CGI work was also pretty decent as well. But I I think many fans were looking at Stephen Lang, the actor from Avatar, and also we know him from Into the Badlands. Uh, he is the the paraplegic in Into the Badlands. I think many folks going back to Avatar. We're going back almost ten years that he already had the silver mane. He was kind of physically fit. That character, even the character he, he played, played like a, a military guy tar in the first Avatar, that he just looked like Cable. If it, if it wasn't going to be Mr. Lang, because of my affinity for punk music, I thought that someone like uh, Henry Rollins, Black Flag's Henry Rollins, who dabbles in sci-fi, uh, he could have been uh, and also, he's, he's also known for having a musculature. This guy's kind of a, a muscle, always had his shirt off. That guy could have been Cable. And I think he would have beaten up that role. I mean, again, I guess you're, you're kind of sifting in the weeds, Cap. You're sifting between the, you're sifting between the weeds because I, I have no qualms with what Josh, Josh Brolin ha, has brought. But we already saw him in the Marvel family, in quotes, in the Marvel family. So, I mean, you know. We, we could have given the job to somebody else and kind of expanded on, you know, let's give Mr. Lang a role. Let's give, uh, if, if anything, I, it would have been for me, for me personally, it would have been Henry Rollins first, Stephen Lang second. But, you know, there was some kind of casting call too. That's another thing too. Maybe it was a scheduling thing. I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what was going on there. But, um, you know, if you go into some of the history, uh, yeah, there was a casting call for the uh, cable character. So, you know, it is what it is. We'll never know what, why people get certain roles. But other than that, uh, and also we, we remember that Tim Miller, Tim Miller, you know, he, he left. I guess there was some kind of, quote, unquote, vaunted creative differences. Um, but he's going to go on to, to other things, too. So he's no, there's no cry, cry, uh, crying Argentina for him. Cry for me, Argentina. There's nothing for him. Um, you know, and uh, Stephen Miller's, I think, no relation. T.J. Miller, he's ruining, he's ruining his career, man. You know, that character, uh, he was definitely in this universe. Now, I, I think they already said, I think Ryan already laid down the gauntlet and said he's not going to be in Deadpool 2. Uh, pardon me, Deadpool 3. Um, let's, let's go to, unless you have anything else to say, Cap, we, we, I see that Q-Storm is uh, chomping at the bit to say his piece as well. Any more? On Deadpool 2? We're going to dig in on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, we, we go hot and heavy, just dancing around it right now. Yeah, see, I can't around. really go I'm, into it. 
I may see it again before Wednesday. I mean, yeah. you know, I got to ask you to schedule. <laughs> may see it again, you know, pretty pretty much. But as I said before, I, I had some fun, man. And I normally don't have fun with these things. I come in here, it's, yeah, it's all right. I'm just that dude. I'm, I'm just that dude. It takes a lot to stimulate my palate, you know. So but I had fun, man. I mean, it's good to have fun. You know, it's good to have fun. <laughs> so you know something else? That. You know something else yeah. I noticed too is okay. We have to give Zazzy. Well, everyone played their role. You know, let's let's keep that one hundred. Yes. Everyone, everyone played their role. Just for me to see Leslie Uggams working is integral. That's true. And she's she's a master thespian. We know her going mm-hmm. back many years as a a tour de force, as a as a very proficient singer, actress. I mean, she's coming from the old school where you really, you know, you were a polymath. You had to do everything. So to see her, uh, to be, see her, you know, involved in our culture this way, making her relevant, um, it's, it, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, it warms the heart to see her working. Zazie Beats, Zazie Beats, on that Donald Glover thing, isn't she? You know, she's kind of making the rounds. You know, these, you know, uh, yeah. her, her uh, sorry to bother you. We saw the trailer for that. We spoke about – I'm excited about that. It's coming out, I believe, in June or July. Uh, I can't wait to see that film. But she does a, a very credible domino. Uh, she is not, not hard, hard in the eyes. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, hell. <laughs> I, listen, I understand about com- complying to what's coming in front of us. But I, I'm not going to just – I don't think there's any harm for me saying that the woman is, is not bad to look at. And she's also a proficient actor. Um, everyone did their thing, man. I just, I just, uh, I really dug it. I just, I just think it's, it's cool that Marvel is so much about winning and knowing how to kind of balance the zeitgeist. The fact that you need a fourth wall movie that doesn't take itself so seriously keeps all this stuff alive. It keeps it going. So that's probably why we're not going to get. If you have a movie like this, or maybe a couple of movies going in rotation that kind of breaks up the monotony. We're going to be with the superhero stuff for a long time. All right, enough of me um, just blubbering. Let's bring in Q Storm. Q, my man. Red shirts, podcast yes. shoes. Hey. Yeah, so uh, I'm, driving up from, I'm driving up from D.C., so if I sound bad or you hear noise, just cut me off. I understand. No, you sound um, right. Yeah, I, I saw it. Uh, what I realized is I guess I'm just not the audience for Deadpool. Um. I thought everyone did a great job acting. I thought Ryan Reynolds was born to play the character. Uh, there's a little uh, in joke in the uh, towards the end. I'm not going to reveal it, but I did like that. Oh yeah. I thought uh, Josh Brolin was good. I thought Zazie Beetz was great. I thought all the secondary characters. I don't want to give anything away. Were good, but I felt the same in terms of the story itself. I felt the same way I felt. But the first one, the story itself just didn't compel me. I didn't feel any sense of with it. And it just seemed like there were so many things they were throwing into this that there were like at least three different plots that could have made, that could have sustained an entire movie in this thing. One of them, which was the most interesting, would have made for this character that they revealed would have made for a great villain, and he looked awesome on screen. I had no idea he was that massive. Oh. And I'm not going to go any further than that. Yeah, but, but mm-hmm. 
just, you know, there was a lot of stuff thrown into this, and it was like, well, y'all need to focus. Focus on the story. Focus on the flag and go with it. And the other thing is um, the reason I say I must not be a Deadpool audience guy is um, the humor just gets to be too much after a while, the breaking of the fourth wall. And then in this movie, they wanted to add a sentimental thing to it, a really dramatic thing to it, which for me fell flat because I can't take the character of Deadpool seriously, and I don't think they want me to take him seriously. But then they have these things where I'm supposed to take him seriously, and they don't work. And then there are other characters that, let's just say they get the, um, what was the guy on Suicide Squad who was in like five minutes? <laughs> oh, okay. They I know what that. Saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the character. He, I think he was Native American. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not going to say any more than that. I'm not, okay. But they, we don't get to enjoy them that much. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why? You know. I, I, you know, so the, the humor verges on frat boy humor, and I laughed a couple times, but I don't know. I, I'm just not the audience. I would say go see it. If you're a Deadpool fan, you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. Well, the- look, at the end of the day, the frenetic nature of the film is is really uh, in tandem with Deadpool himself. Deadpool is is insane. You know, that's part of his power set. So, I mean, if you're going to be – if listen, if anything, you, you may have a point about it not necessarily being your cup of tea. And I, and truth be told, uh, Deadpool is not one of my favorite characters. I mean, I know that when you go to the comic book store, at least going back a few years ago, Deadpool's all people could ever talk about. I mean, some people, are just they just love that character. There's certain characters that people just, you know, hype up. So he's, he's a hype character within the comic book community. So, you know, it just translates well as far as that popularity in, into the film. But I dig, I dig it on the level of at least it honors what we know to be the comic book. The comic book has always been a fourth-wall, frenetic comic book. Um, in the very beginning of, of the Deadpool, before they figured out which kind of tone they were going to take with that character, he came in as a villain. He came in as a villain mercenary. And then he morphed into this kind of ribald, uh, you know, pansexual, and we'll talk about that later on also. That's an operative, world, or operative word in this, uh, in this culture now. Uh, that is a nerd culture. Now, we'll get into it. But for the sake of honoring at least this character, at least the roots of this character, everything about the pansexuality, about him being insane, about him being physically scarred and all that, that's Deadpool. So, you know, hey, uh, Deadpool isn't normally my cup of tea. I, actually, I enjoy Deadpool because of all the ancillary stuff going around. I'm trying to see the other things that might connect to his world. So if we see, if we see, I mean, I, I think we can say this much because it's pretty much in the trailer. If we see an X-Force movie somewhere, somewhere close to Deadpool 3, either I would assume X-Force probably will come before Deadpool 3. But if we see an X-Force, even with Deadpool in it, X-Force has got to be, I think, X-Force, X-Force has got to be pretty close to the cuff with, with um, Deadpool kind of being the, you know, the, the, the comic relief. So that, that's what I think might be of interest. I, I think there's going to have to be some 
way that the mythology maintains some kind of balance after Deadpool. Like Deadpool has to stand a stand by itself as this fourth wall thing. Anything else coming out of it? Like what about that, Captain? Do you think that X Force? Because that's what, I mean we kind of already saw that we we saw that in the trailers. So that's not that's not a spoiler. X Force is going to have to keep it pretty close with comic elements. Do you think that's going to happen? I, I think they they will have some more you know comic elements in respect to X Force, but I think I think. It may also be, it's also going to be more traditional. It's not going to be like Deadpool. It's not going to be like that. It'd be more more traditional, like how a lot of these movies are, with comic relief. That's what I think the direction they'll go with when it comes with that. You know, I, th- I think because Deadpool's all the way left. It's all the way left. That's why it works. It's all the way left. It's not, a, it's not something for the, the kiddies to go watch the rated R movie. It's all the way left, you know? This is Q Stone says some people are not gonna like it all the way left. They need a traditional type of civil war type of movie. You know, that, that that's what they need. You know? That's the reason why I think it works, you know, and it resonates with the audience because it's all the way left. Do you necessarily want to do it all the way like that with uh X Force? No. You want some of that. You want to keep it more centered, in my opinion. That's what that's what that's just me, you know, personally thinking about it. But it will be, you know, more comic relief, not as much as West, not as much. I said Westworld. Look, look where my head is. Oh, not as much as Deadpool. A, <laughs> there's no comedy in that. They can use a little comedy, to be honest with you. There's no comedy in that. They use a lot of stuff in there, but anyway, that, that, that's where it is. That's what it is. All right, you know? look. Um, I, I want. I'm gonna bring Q in in a moment. Q's, Q's background noise was kind of building up. I started hearing some feedback, so that's why I had to put him in Q. I had to put Q in Q. <laughs> uh, let's go to a Herbalt Guru, Captain. When we get back, since we talked about this pansexual stuff, let's go back into this deal with um, Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian, John Kasdan, one of the writers, I think it's a father and son team, one of the writers for Star Wars, has a certain view of Lando Calrissian. And I believe it kind of um, it, it caused a disturbance in the cyber cybersphere, cyberverse, internet, many saying yay, uh, folks like myself, nay, maybe some people were indifferent. Anyway, we'll talk about it. This is the great Gregory Porter, Liquid Spirit. Oh, another two and a half minutes. Let's groove. Clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Clap reroute the rivers. Let the damn water beat There's some people down the way that's thirsty So let the liquid spirit freeze The, 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 the people are thirsty Cause of man's unnatural hands Watch what happens when the people catch wind When the water hits the bank of that hard dry land Clap your hands down Clap your hands down Clap your hands down 
get ready for the wave It might strike like a final flood The people haven't drank in so long The water won't even make mud After it comes, it might come with a steady flow Grab the roots of the tree down by the river Dip your cup when your spirit's low Clap your hands now Dip, 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 dip down and take a drink and feel your water change. Dip, dip down and take a drink and feel your, feel your, feel your. Dip, dip, dip down and take a drink and feel your water change. Dip down, take a drink and feel your, feel your. Mm-hmm. Clap, liquid spirit. Clap your hands now, liquid spirit. Dip down, dip down, get, dip down, get down, dip down, dip down, get, dip down, dip down, get, dip down, get down, dip down, dip down, get, dip down, dip down, get, dip down, get down, dip down, dip down, get. back and I fibbed a little I gave you an extra minute three minutes of Mr. Greg Reporter music <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah that was a groove wasn't it liquid spirits yep. by the great Gregory Porter we're back people it's the grindhouse we're kind of um cooling off although it's 80 degrees in New York and uh thank thank the spirits I wish I had some liquid spirits captain you had some spirits l- later you you and the inner sanctum had some spirits. Now I regret that I did. I regret that I did the teetotaler thing, which is not me. You know what I mean? Well, it is me, but it wasn't always me. <laughs> my Hamptonian fellow Hamptonians can attest to that. Uh, <laughs> my cousin, my cousin um, was was working at a uh, Washington D.C. law firm, and uh, I think we had a conversation, and one of her coworkers overheard my name. And I guess there's not that many Desmonds around. So she said, he said, uh, the coworker said to him, said to her, pardon me, um, Desmond, is that, uh, wait a minute, is he from Hampton? And she said, yeah, oh, I know him. And, and she said, well, what was, what, was, what was his deal? And he said, one word, lush. <laughs> lush. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, that was a weekend lush, Captain. Weekend. Was, That's all it uh, takes. Shout, shout out to one of my, my compatriots. We just simply called him Young Man. <laughs> young Man. <laughs> young Man was worse than me. <laughs> young Man was a Thursday. Thursday. He, he had a book in his hand and a drink in the other. I said, what are you doing? I'm studying. I was like, okay. I said, oh, man. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's get back into this. 
Um, you know what? I see that our resident cineast, cinephile, the great Sergio Mims, uh, or is it Memes? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Mims. <laughs> Although it would be good if it was Memes. That way we could kind of make that connect. But it's, no, it's Mims. Uh, I, let's, let's get him in on this. We're going to go back a little. You know, he can speak about both issues because uh, he grew up with – well, all of us grew up with – with uh, Billy D. Williams, right? Uh, it was, look, we realize that this is a character that he played, but this, it, it, it's a little bit more, it's a little deeper than just his characterization of Lando Calrissian. It's a little deeper, and we know clearly this is a prequel, and that Donald Glover is a connection to that character. So the characterization should still be somewhat, you know, connected. You just can't go left from what we saw in 1980. I'm just saying. But I'm pretty sure that even uh, Sergio probably wants to speak about Deadpool, and then we're going to go – we're going to expand and expound on this deal with the um, assertion that the the co-writer, John Kasdan, had – Jonathan Kasdan has – he just believes – he just sees him as pansexual. That's just arbitrary, isn't it? Anyway. I'm going to bring back Q Storm too, but I want to make sure his, uh, you know, that his outside noise, that we don't get any feedback. That's the reason why I kind of put him in Q. Um, Mr. Mims, how are you, sir? Fine. How are you doing? I, I, right. I, I cannot speak on Deadpool because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, okay. When I will, I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, could I get to the screening of it? Uh, but in terms of this whole controversy over uh, Lando, haven't been the only one, I guess, who has seen the film already. First of all, I don't know what he's talking about. I <laughs> I really don't know what he's talking about. There's nothing in that film that would lead me to believe or would indicate that Lando swings both ways or he's interested in other exploring other sexual possibilities. There's nothing like that at all. In the movie. Um, then again, maybe I'm too straight. Maybe with all yeah. subversive and I didn't catch on to it. I yeah. But I will tell you this. Um, you know, I guess everybody today wants to be hip. I guess everybody today wants to be the thing. You know, when, um, oh gosh, what's that singer's name? You know, uh, the one who just came out. Um Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet, right. She comes up calling herself pansexual. And I go like, well, first of all, you know, people pretty much figured that out already, you know, that she wasn't straight, straight straight-ish. But the other thing, too, is like pansexual. We used to call them like bisexual. Or, in my day, swings both ways. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever. You know, this new terminology. You know, I can't keep up with it. Number two, is it necessary to say that about Lando, you know. Now, I know people are going to call up and say, I'm old-fashioned, I'm square, you know, this and that. I don't care. I know seeing Lando in previous movies, and once again, I go to the fact that we need to see more strong male characters on the screen. I'm not saying that. We just need to see that. Now, um, um, I will admit that even though I love you know, Atlanta, I really have 
really admire a lot. Um, uh, what's it? Oh, Jesus Christ! I'm blanking on people's names Glover? now. Glover? Donald Glover. Right. Right. You know he's you know kind of soft. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, he's not the most masculine guy. You know, so I can't believe that he would go along with an idea like that when another actor, say an Idris Ilba, would say, uh, no way, I don't play that. Well, look, I, I would hope what you say is correct, but I think that in, I saw a past interview, a past interview, I think going back, uh, it was a couple of years ago, and they, re- they revisited this interview because of obviously his current success. It was on The Breakfast Club. And he gave some kind of twisted answer about what he's attracted to. So Casden uh-huh. uh, emphasized that he, he kind of saw Glover a certain way, and therefore Calrissian should be played based on how he perceives uh, Donald Glover. Now, Donald Glover, for all intents and purposes, I see him with his woman, I see him with his child, or I think he has children. So, I mean, hey, I don't know what the scene is. I don't know what that deal is. Let me read this article, this article briefly from CNET, because this is where we get into, as you said, there are, there's a generation that just thinks this is, this is just the coolest thing, and uh-huh. I'm disturbed by it. Okay, so I'm going to read this. This is, what, this is what you're hinting at. This is from, again, this is from CNET. Uh, it's entitled, Star Wars character Lando Calrissian is pansexual, and I couldn't be happier. Okay, the uh-huh. author is Bonnie Burton. Oh, gosh, he has my surname. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, commentary. When it comes to representation in a, in a galaxy far away, far, far away, it's good to know Lando sees beyond gender to fall in the love the way I do. Oh, there we go. Oh, man. When word ca- came Thursday that Squad Star Wars character Lando Calrissian is pansexual, I couldn't help but feel a bit giddy. I finally found a Star Wars character who falls in love the way I do. While Lando seems like a flirtatious ladies' man in the original trilogy, let me let me let's go let me again. See, when people re- re- recount what we know, that just that you just don't dismiss that. Let me repeat it again. While Lando seems like a flirtatious ladies' man in the original trilogy, Solo co-screenwriter Jonathan Kasdan confirmed during Solo: A Star Wars Story. Promotions that he isn't exactly straight. Asked in an interview with Huffington Post if the character played by Donald Glover is pansexual, Kasdan replied, I would say yes. There's a fluidity to Donald and Billy Dee's portrayal of Lando's sexuality. Well, let me, say, let me repeat that sentence. There's a fluidity to Donald and Billy Dee's, and he says parenthetically, portrayal of Lando, Lando's sexuality. Kasdan said, I would have loved to have gotten a more explicitly LGBT character into this movie. I think it's time, certainly for that, and I love the fluidity, sort of the spectrum of sexuality that Donald appeals to and that droids are a part of. To be clear, pansexual has a bit more complex definition than homosexuality or even bisexuality. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. All right, this, this, this is my deal. Okay, this is my deal. How... How and why is it necessary for this, this author to see something? Look, I, I got to make sure this is clear because I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> it's, it, it's okay. It's okay to search for something that reflects you. Fine. 
But guess what? Get your own. Get away from mine. Get your <laughs> own. Okay? Because when, when we as black men, and black men desperately need points, points of reflection. Billy Dee Williams, as I think about it, as a kid, and looking at like his representation, like I'm, I'm always mentioning Jim Brown and and Jim Kelly and Fred Williamson. I, Fred Williamson Jr. We shout each other out on Twitter all the time because we get each other. I'm always going back to his pops. His pops. Listen, I was fortunate enough to have, and, and and I am fortunate enough to have a father. But it wasn't. It didn't hurt any to have these very on point, uh, stand tall black men. And I took it for granted back then. And Billy D. Williams was there, going all the way back to uh, a Brian song. We, when he played the football player, Brian Piccolo and that whole thing, that tragic TV movie. Uh, when he was in Mahogany. What, and, and actually, you know, the fact that he put him in, in Star Wars is kind of just, I mean, listen, he was, it was tokenism. He really wasn't in... Uh, Empire Strikes Back that long But he was in there to fulfill A certain promise I mean it was basically to, it, it, That was the first wave of, of these movies Kind of acknowledging that there's an audience Besides the white audience So uh, Beauty Williams Was that guy And I'm pretty sure they put him in there because He's going to fill in a certain fill, Fulfill a certain demographic But he still maintained that squad situation He was trying to wrap to Princess Leia, and we we would have expected that the man was called Dark Gable. So this guy, <laughs> this guy looks at this at, at this man rapping to a woman, okay, rapping to a woman, and he says, "Uh, I see a black man rapping to a white woman. I therefore I see he's for everybody. No, he ain't for you. He ain't for you. That's what's called. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best John Witherspoon impersonation." He's a player. That's a player. <laughs> P-L-A-Y-A. Player. Get off the, get off the man's scrotum. Leave him alone. <laughs> okay? Well, you hit, you hit the point on the head. I think there still is this fear of black male sexuality. Yes. And how can we neuter it? You know, it's like, you know, and I've said this, and I don't care if people get upset. I don't know, like, I don't like to see a black man in drag. I'm sorry. I don't like it because it's symbolically castrating the black man. Mm. You know, why do people love to see this shit? It's part of my French. That's all right. You know, white people, black women, they love it. Why are you so afraid of it? I don't you know. know. And, and and aside, well, we know the black, the fear, the well, you know what it is. It, it is, um, it is what it is. Not to start in trouble. And, and by the way, the the other thing is, by the way, as a side note, there have been interviews with uh, Thandie Newton about being the first black woman um, in uh, in a Star Wars movie. Okay, mm-hmm. haven't mm-hmm. seen it. Uh, I can't give you any spoilers. Yeah, it's not all what's cracked up to be. Let me tell you that. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I'm looking at I'm looking now I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this article that I read in the chat room, right? But there's a still picture. A still, this is what's going on here. It's funny how stuff kinda happens on a meta level. There's a still picture and it's very it's a very suave photograph. What else would you expect? 
it's a picture of of uh, Billy Dee Williams kissing the hand of the late Carrie Fisher. Uh, everyone's at the apex of their powers. They're young people here. At, you know, this is 40 years ago or 38 years ago. And you see, you see in the background Harrison Ford looking kind of goofy as a man comes in and kisses his woman because he, know, he knows metaphysically that this brother's going to take this from you. He's a little <laughs> too smooth for you. You can't handle this. So that, that's what that's really all about. Now, I had a, now when people say, because I'm always, I'm kind of like a Fox correspondent, people say, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, I, I when I bring up these points, when I bring up these these kind of connections, and people think, oh, Afronard, you're just going on, you know, you're you're doing that old Roswell nonsense. No, no, there's there's some stuff that there's some stuff going on. We've seen black male pansexuality. I never thought I'd even use that word. <laughs> We've seen black male pansexuality in science fiction before, and it was called. Chris Tucker in the Fifth Element. We've been down this oh, road God. before. Oh Jesus! Okay, That's now true. even when that came, even when that came in, oh. even when that was was uh, was out, I was confused by it back then. I was confused by it. I was confused by it back then. So why are we revisiting what appears to be some kind of trope? This is not about putting out something against uh, LGBTQ. This is not about that. I applaud. I applaud people. Listen, I can, I I have no problem seeing different types of characters. I like my eyes to be. Uh, I like. I like. A, I'm. A, I'm into the feast for the eyes kind of thing. I don't necessarily have to see tropes. I understand that, but you don't have to go into the mythology because there is a place for black traditional black men and black sensuality, black male sensuality, and and, and kind of. Um, being romantic to a woman in a conv- in a conventional sense, like that is still a necessity. Like, why does that have to disappear? Because you are so happy, you know this whole uh, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules nonsense. Because you need to see, you need to see something. Go to go to Mr. Kasdan because he's a writer, isn't he? Write a new effing character that we can all kind of enjoy. Instead of messing with what you said you saw, you said you saw the original character in the tri- original trilogy was a flirtatious ladies' man. You don't think black boys need to see a man, especially in this day and age, still rep for his woman and rep for being a gentleman and all that kind of stuff, being sexy for his woman? We, I learned a lot from Billy D. Williams. Now you're going to take that away because you need to see Hercules, Hercules, after Hercules. I was. This, I have to confess. I'm gonna let you speak, but I have to confess. Once I heard this story, I was livid. I was livid, and and I don't want anybody telling me I'm a homophobe or I'm against gay people. That is not what's going on. What I don't like is why is it necessary to screw around with a type of character and a type of black male characterization that we need. We do need to see black men like in uh, Black Lightning. That stands tall. That is in control of something. That controls controls his school. That he's in control of his family. Is we need to see this stuff. Let white people take take the hit because they are more pan about everything. They're more um. default. No, no, no. I ain't talking about pansexually. I'm talking about pan about 
there's a multitude a multitude of white characterization. There's a thin there's a thin straw. There's a thin tube for people of color. We don't have we don't have that expanse that white people do. We don't. We don't. We just got Black Panther. Black Panther is one versus a hundred white male characters. It's one. That's what the deal is. We don't we can't afford to have you just screwing around with these characters when you should be developing original ones. That's more honorable. I'll say this one thing, and then I want Q-Storm to make his comment. I'm going to talk about this in reverse, just to show you how this works. So if people are going to claim I'm some kind of phobe. Um, George Takei, they, they tried to – they did this. They did this thinking that they were being honorable. They were being dishonorable. George Takei is, an, is a man of Asian descent who happens to be a gay man. He came out, and I love George K. by the way, okay? Um, he came out uh, as an older man, and because I have so much respect for him and all that kind of stuff, I mean, what, his disclosures didn't, didn't mean anything to me. It made him kind of endearing, to be honest with you. It had nothing to do with that. We're, he's good money. But even he, that when they made, in the, once again, in the new version of Star Trek, they made, uh, they made Sulu a gay character and to honor George Takei. You know, George Takei didn't like that. George Takei, hey, wait a minute. I'm an actor. An actor means I can play anything. That character meant, has meant, and this is according to Gene Roddenberry, we're going back into original trilogy, original mythology. That character was a straight character with a family and a whole nine. You just wanted to do – you wanted to appease some kind of agenda – and George Takei, the actor, said, you know what? I can play anything and anybody. You're dishonoring George, uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry, and you're dishonoring the character that was – the originality of that character to fit a piece in a puzzle. So you, when you flip it, even the gay per- per- gentleman was disturbed that, you, that you, you're messing around. You're messing with ish. Go ahead, Q. Well, you just took away what I was going to say, uh, that George Takei wasn't happy with that as well. And I put in, I, you know, I, I tweeted out that, you know, I, I have no problem with LGBTQ issues. Uh, the church that I attended for 10 years in New York where I got married, where my son was confirmed, they have an LGBTQ ministry. I have no problem with it whatsoever. But I'm consistently, I consistently have a problem with race washing, uh, gender washing, and now uh, sex washing. I, I, I do have a problem with that. And it just seems like if I'm a member of the LGBTQ community, I would be offended that you're just trying to pander to me. Um, and the other thing is Star Wars has had a gay character since 1977. It's called C-3PO. Oh, it's, yeah. Take that. Do something with that. So um, I, I just I don't agree with taking Lando Calrissian and making him pansexual just to just to tick a box, as the British would say, just to tick boxes. Uh, I, 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 I've been screaming this: make a new character. Don't make Idris Elba the next 007 James Bond. Make him another 007. Make make new characters. There are player writers that would love to create new characters as opposed to doing this. 
it, it just seems really unnecessary and shallow and lazy. Can I interject yeah. something? Yeah, go ahead. Well, you see, sorry to go there, but this is just the way I do it. When something is incepted a certain way, whether it's like this right here with Star Wars, or we believe it's incepted a certain way, <clears throat> or it's Wonder Woman, or it's a male character, and you change it over to a woman's character. It's incepted a certain way. And the end point, a lot of times, is defined a certain way. When you turn around and change it, a lot of people reject that. This is known as something within chaos theory. They call it the butterfly flap. You've seen it in the Ashton Kushner movies. It's incepted a certain way. That means it has to continue like that. When you change it, a lot of times it gets worse, all right? And you constantly try to play around with it. If we remember even with the Wonder Woman character, those geeks are known. There's aspects, there's books they tried to where they took away her powers. Everyone hated it. What are, you, what are you playing with it for? You see what I'm saying? There's certain books that come out. In the comic book world, you go from a man straight over to a woman. It may do good, some of those books. But a lot of those books, everyone's up in arms. Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why? We're going to see what's going to happen with Do- Doctor Who. They change that over to a woman, which the character allows for that. Doctor Who could be anybody. But remember, when it's incepted a certain way, it's defined also a certain way at the end point. You go in there and you change it, there's a lot of times, most of the times, there's kickback. Whether it's woman, whether it's your, your sexuality, gender, race, that's what it is. These people are fools. So 100% wholeheartedly, you just create a new character. But the problem with creating a new character, it doesn't have as much energy built up in a new character. So as Afro-Nerd says, and also Q, it is lazy because there's more energy in the other, in the original. So let's just try to go ahead and bring that energy over to this, you know, that what we switched over. So it is very lazy at the end of the day. Just add that in there. Just food for thought. Back over and, to you know some, and you know something else, too, is that, you know, when you talk about what Claire would say about, like, the default positioning of the white male archetype in cinema. I'm just I'm just thinking in my own, in my own head. I'm just thinking that there's never not been a romantic male lead throughout the pantheon of cinema. You know, Douglas Fairbanks was that guy. Uh, Cary Grant was that guy. Um, all the way down to hell. We I'm not gonna go. Well, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'm laughing at Brad Pitt because uh, there's a connection there to Deadpool. But anyway. Or even Ryan Reynolds. There's always there's there's never uh, there's never a lacking for some square jawed white guy and for his presence to be known. All right, but there there is also a a need for a black male representation for that need, and it's the notion that black people are always being experimented on. We are always used as the guinea pig for all kinds of nonsense. And I, I'm just – there's something about it, and it's, I don't think it's done innocently. You know, I put out a tweet um, a few days ago when I made – and I didn't mean to make these connections, but it, it just happened. But uh, when I was showing that – yeah, you know, listen, you had this going on in The Fifth Element, which just came out of nowhere, where you had this flamboyant black man. 
And then, uh, you know, I thought about J. Marion Sims, who's considered the father of, of gynecology, and how even in New York recently, his statue was recently removed because you know, this, this is what's going on. There's, there's, a, there's a reckoning afoot with how we look at things. Things are being reevaluated. They're being analyzed. And the fact that he became this quote-unquote father of modern, modern gynecology by experimenting on African slave women without anesthesia because we weren't human and allegedly we have a higher tolerance for pain that this is and then the Tuskegee experiment uh, you know a century later and, and it's, that, it's done that's done in real time on a biological level a physiological level but there's also a, an experimentation and I don't think it's done innocently I think this this Kasdan character was born in 1979 he was born a year before Billy Williams uh, graced the screen in 1980's Empire Strike Back. So he does not know this man's lineage. He doesn't know Billy D. Williams. He just sees this man, I don't know, maybe in recent years. He saw the man in recent years. But we know, many of us who are a little bit older, saw this man and his, and his, his, his rise in the early days, especially in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, he, he was that dude. He was Dark, dark Gable. There was a Clark Gable, and even Clark Gable's uh, ethnicity is in question. Sergio, you heard about that, right? Clark Gable oh, might have been the first story. Clark Gable. Yeah, that's an old story. He, I mean, even he, ta- even Gable himself talked about that. Yeah, we, we can't get confirmation on that, but it's been hinted that Clark Gable yeah. was a part African, African ancestry. Yeah, and so was – actually, there are several – movie stars of the past who people claimed to were. Clark Gable was one, Dinah Shore was another, also Carol Eva Channing. Gardner was another. Carol Channing still, is Carol Channing still living, correct? Well, Carol Channing, yes, yeah, she came out and wrote about it, right, yes. She yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and also the other thing is that you know that they don't do this with white characters. You, 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 you think the people no. James Bond said we're going to make him bisexual? No. Or look at traditional characters like Robin Hood. Or Sherlock Holmes. Well, Billy Wilder kind of played with that as a joke in his movie Private Life as Sherlock Holmes. But the, the movie made it very clear that he – basically, he the, the scene in the movie is that this woman wants to have him father a baby, and he gets out of it by claiming he has a relationship with Watson. But it's uh-huh. a joke. It's a, it's a joke so he can get out of it. Okay, but but my point is that they don't do it with Sherlock Holmes, they don't do it with Robin Hood, they don't do it with James Bond, all these other established white fictional characters. But they got to do it with Lando. We got to play around with him. Well, listen, we're going to be the test subjects. Uh, Bat- Batman and Robin. Have, have, that, that those characters have been questioned going back into the late fifties with the book called Seduction of the Innocent. Uh, Frederick, Dr. Frederick Wortham And this is part of, of Comic book lore It's part of the whole comic book culture But the reason why you had a, For a moment you had uh, Congressional hearings over comic books And how uh, reportedly in the f- mid 50s They tried to say that comic books Led to truancy I mean it's, it's so funny that We think of comic books as such a hi- hyper nerdy thing But back in you know, 50, 60 years ago They were perceived or At least as Frederick Wortham was trying to uh, he was full of, he was FOS by the way, but he he was he tried to position comic books as like uh, the gateway drug, 
And he hinted, or less than hinted, that the relationship between Batman, Batman and Robin was a gay one. And uh, DC Comics had a conniption, and they, they made sure to this day that there's no hint of that going on. Uh-huh. But it's been, again, John Wayne, uh, hell, uh, Han Solo is quote unquote charming. Why don't you F with him? They're not going to do it. <laughs> the, 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 need for black, the need for white male uh, sexuality, white male um, kind of stand up and, and, and protect your woman and that kind of thing, even though there's room, as I said, room for all kinds of depictions of, of, of white males doing things, they make sure that that lane is not affected. All I'm asking for is that we, we deserve the same thing. We deserve multiple lanes. And the lane for traditional black, sex, black male sexuality, black romanticism, the whole nine, dark gable, all that stuff going on, that should not be molested. Why is it always up to the black black people and black culture to usher in what you want to usher in. Usher it in yourself. Don't usher it in under blackness. That's all I'm saying. Hey, Deber, this is yeah. why, and I, I hope Sergio would agree, this is why I give Cameron Crowe, filmmaker Cameron Crowe, tons of credit because as far as I can tell, he was the first one to portray a black man with a loving wife in his film uh, with Tom Cruise. Uh, oh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire? Oh, yeah. And I don't think I've seen that. I've hardly seen that in any mainstream Hollywood film since. So oh, I, I since. I give him a lot of credit with that. Uh, yeah. Since. Um, uh, gee, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm talking about, I'm talking about mainstream before then, before then, there was. I could give you many examples before then. But since then, yes, it is rarer. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to Spike Lee's new film, because one of the subplots is this romance that this character has with a young woman, which from all the reviews I said is very loving and natural. And I go like, well, gee, what's the last time I saw that? Two black people in, in, a, in a loving relationship, you know, uh, romance. Gee, I got to think. So... Um, yeah, you know, up to Spike well, look, again. Black Panther, you know? Black Panther showed a little bit of that. Black Panther showed yeah, him being kind of demure, and uh, they, that that was it was in there. It was in there, and uh, it made a uh, made more than a billion dollars. So this whole excuse that you can't have black folks involved in being spectacular and, and being magnificent that is that that it doesn't pay. I, you know, I, I want to mention one other thing, and it kind of it's kind of not really related, but maybe it is related. And I was just thinking about this. I'm always, I always have to remind our audience that there really is a fight with, when it comes to black, blackness being, being shown and blackness being dynamic. You know, I, I, was, I was listening to, um, uh, I think it was in Tume. James in Tume was on some show. Um, I can't remember what I was listening to because I listened to so, much, so many things. But I, I had to be reminded that, you know, the first Black Panther – I'm saying in quotes as far as like a Black Panther type of thing that was a global hit was Michael Jackson. It's hard to believe that Michael Jackson was not welcomed in the late 70s, early 80s as far as really making that cross appeal. 
because uh, MTV was notorious during that, t- that period of not really showcasing black talent and black artists. And there was a fight. Uh, there was some you know, teeth wrangling on having his video shown and playing his music. And then, of course, Prince came in after him. But when Michael Jackson's infamous video, you know, when he was wearing the high waters and the lighted steps and the whole thing, that you know, it really was Michael Jackson's video that really set off the video phenomenon and set off MTV. MTV came in as this kind of this backwater um, cable channel, and they did they, again. They did not want Michael Jackson. They didn't want to play Billie Jean. They didn't want. I mean, that whole thing. Can you imagine there not being a Billie Jean? But once they conceded to Billie Jean and Michael Jackson, it it opened up the entire music industry. People fail to fail to remember that Michael Jackson, just like Black Panther, uplifted the entire genre, uplifted the entire industry. That when there was a lull in music being purchased, when you could buy when you could buy physical music, there was a lull. Michael Jackson comes on the scene, everything explodes globally. The man sold more records to this date than anybody. To this day, we're still talking about Thriller 36 years later. Still talking about Thriller. We'll still be talking about Black Panther 30 years from now. So it just, it, it really is a thing for me that you have these moments in history where blackness and black excellence and, and the idea of black dynamism. That it's always like a fight. Like, no, nah, it's not going to do this. We don't want it. And then when you let it come through, it disrupts the entire matrix. Black Panther is still selling, even with the DVD in stores today, it's still selling. The damn movie is still up there with everybody else. How do you explain well, as that? I wrote, as I wrote about today, you know, uh, finally, after four months, <laughs> it dropped out of the top ten. That's an extraordinary record. I'm hard-pressed to think of another movie. Uh, Maybe Titanic, maybe Avatar, but I can't think of another movie that stayed so long in the top ten weekend grosses, uh, week after week after week for four months. It finally slipped out down down to 13th place. Um, it still does. It right now it is the third biggest, as I wrote, it's the third biggest grossing film domestically ever. It's the biggest grossing Marvel movie domestically ever. Um, though, uh, what's the Infinity War has now become the biggest grossing Marvel movie worldwide. Uh, but uh, still. You know, you can't argue those numbers. You cannot, you cannot look at those numbers for Black Panther and say Black doesn't sell. No, I mean it's, it's curious to see what will happen afterwards. Um, you know, because listen, it seems like the racial thing will still disrupt the money. That's what I'm concerned about. Is that well? Uh, there, there is see, there's something see, hold here. On, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. I'm going to switch my point. What I'm saying is, you 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 see these monies coming through. It's, I mean, it's very evident. And you think that, well, you know, what does race have to do when this money's coming through? But you still see that people will still put race in front of the dollar. And I, I hope that Black Panther, you know, that we are assuming that things are going to change and all that, but I, I really don't know. We still seem to be fighting this kind of thing. Go ahead, 
Go ahead, uh. Well, one of the tests we're going to see is this summer. You have two black films coming out. Both of them are diametric opposites. And I'm curious to see how the audience will respond. I think I know how they're going to respond. But we'll see. But next month, we have, unfortunately. Sorry to bother you. Uh, we have no, no, no. I, I, I don't mean that film. I, the, yeah, that film too, and it's also Blind Spotting, which also. But also next month we have Superfly. Oh. Uh, okay. Which they're, being, they're having a big push on, but okay, Ugh. you have Sorry to Bother You, which is not going to be a huge release. We'll see how it goes. But also, but in August we have The Black Klansman. Oh and, yeah. And which which just won the Grand Prix. Award, which is basically second place. It wasn't the Palme d'Or, but it won second the Grand Prix at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, I just literally just saw a picture that a Spike tweeted of him on the plane flying back to Cannes in New York, holding up the award, you know, on the plane. Um, and you know he's back. He's been in the wilderness for over a decade. And I can't think of another movie that's more timely in terms of what's been going on in this Trumpian world than that. I think it's going to be a big hit. I think it's the right film at the right time. Of course, that Jordan Peele connection sure doesn't hurt. Sure doesn't hurt. Well, that's a Blumhouse. Uh, isn't, that under, isn't that under the Blumhouse production thing also? Yes, it is. I think Black, yeah. I think Black Klansman is a Blumhouse movie. It is a Blumhouse. Well, it's a Blumhouse legendary picture. They got financing from several sources because this is a bigger budgeted movie. Uh, Blumhouse movies, they don't make any movies under $5 million. This is bigger than that. But what happens is that I, I, if people come out to see this and people reject, as I think they will, as I hope they will, uh, Superfly, that's another indication that black people have evolved. We're tired of the same old, same old. We're tired of the tired old stereotypes. Do we need yet another drug dealer movie? Of course not. Well, and, uh, you know, hey, also... Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask a question. It's a little uh, off tangent, but I was curious if anyone, since we're talking about black, quote-unquote, black films or black-led films, has anyone seen, I think, the Michael B. Jordan picture uh Fahrenheit oh yes i did I, fahrenheit 451 as far as last night right i'm hearing bad oh, things about it uh yeah it's not great um it's not it's not it's trans francois truffaut did it better i think there's some interesting ideas that i i think there's some ideas but then it really begins to go astray. And then at the end, I think it just completely falls apart. Completely wow. falls apart. And if you see the Truffaut movie, it has a beautiful ending. It has a really beautiful, moving ending. And, but this movie is like, what? Well, how do they mess up like that? I mean, it's not like it hasn't been done before. It's not like, I mean, it, 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 Ray Bradbury is kind of difficult, I think. In some ways, they're well, they, well, but still. They, they, they make too many changes to the basic story. I mean, it's the well, same well, premise, okay. but go. it goes off into ideas and tangents that don't work. And yeah. the whole this final scene is like, I said, really? You're going to end yeah. it here? Yeah. Once you said 
that it, it went off from the, 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 the originality of, of the written word. That's when you know. Yeah. We've seen this story before. This is, this, is, yes. this is DC Universe on repeat, which Ryan Reynolds posts fun of uh, at, uh, at Deadpool for those who plan to see it. Um, this, this is, this is, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. But listen, they, they give some of these white creators carte blanche to, to do this type of stuff. Okay, like, like, with us, example, we, don't ha- like, we don't have that. We don't have that latitude as white creators. Like, we just don't. Like, like one one of the great things about the Truffaut movie is that the character, the, the character of Montag, his wife is very much brainwashed, right? But he meets another woman who eventually changes him around to start reading books. Who's both of those parts are played by Julie Christie, so mm-hmm. it's sort of like two sides of the coin, right? And that's a very intriguing idea. You know, even Truffaut plays with it. You know, I met somebody who reminds me so much of you. Okay, in this movie, he's not married. And then they have this young, you know, waif-looking chick, French chick, I think, who, like, converts him around, and they have, uh, like, a kind of romance. But it was much more interesting if he was married. There you go again. How can we have a black man who's married? You know, he's... I don't know. They they messed it up, and I I won't tell you what happens at the end. It was a major disappointment. You know what? I I wonder if some of this. Ha- I, you know, I hate to go there, but I wonder if this has something to do with having a black actor involved. That all of a sudden, well, you know, when you have, when you have a Mike, black actor Michael involved, Jordan so- is one of the producers of the movie, so he had to sign off on it. Yeah, well, listen, we see that Donald Glover might be signing off on this ish with this damn Lando Calrissian thing. Yeah, so but I don't Donald Glover probably tr- would. Uh, you know, Donald Glover. Yeah, you know, he's of that generation. You know, he once again uh, does he really know Billy D. Williams? You know, well, he probably well, yeah, would he go, had a conversation with him, with and that was it. Well, look, yeah. he had a conversation. He, he probably with, would go along with it. He had a conversation with Billy D. Williams, and to ask him how he should, you know, how to, I guess it was a courtesy because you're gonna do what yeah. you're gonna do anyway. But he spoke to the man. This is a legend, asking him how you should play this, and he said, "Just be charming." Just uh-huh. be charming, and now this 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 Kasdan character is interpreting his char- him being charming as something else. So I mean, you, you know, know, it's listen. like somebody who gets hired to play Slaughter, and then the director comes to him and says, "Well, we got this interesting idea. Maybe we make Slaughter pansexual." Oh. And I go like, "Well, you don't." And and if you're an actor. If you know Jim Brown, if you know the history, then you would say, I'm not buying that. Look, or if you're one of these actors who's too young and you don't have a history of what Jim Brown did, okay, I know he supported Trump, but what he did and all his stuff and his movies, you know, and if you don't know that history, I can see a younger to say, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. That sounds pretty cool. Ugh. Well, th- didn't Jim Brown wake up in bed with Stella Stevens in that movie? That's all I remember. Well, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. You see, that's how bad Jim Brown is. See, he comes in. He threw. He threw. You see, he threw. He threw the black chick out. <laughs> no comment. Two women. <laughs> no two women. Yeah, he, he woke up with you two know, women, right? And, and and the black woman is naked, and he throws the black woman out into the hotel lobby, oh, and he gets along with Getting Stella angry Stevens. and messing with my sexuality. I am Jim Brown. <laughs> Leave me alone. Holy crap. I remember, listen, I barely, I barely remember that movie. 
I re- everything I remember is in blurs, but I remember that scene. I might have to hey, I got on Blu-ray, man. I got on I'm Blu-ray. Gonna, gonna, <laughs> look, I remember that scene, and I said, <laughs> I said, we we can do that. A black man can do such a thing. <laughs> we have that power. It was that was a powerful scene. Powerful scene. Uh, I'm telling you. And now they want to check, now they want to make him wake up in bed with robots and all kinds of freakish things. Whatever. Man, it's we, just, we it's ain't just really like, woke. It's this crew like, ain't woke. They ain't woke. You know, it's just Knock it's it like off. Ken Norton. It's like Ken Norton in Mandingo when he was Susan really George. Yeah. You know, man, he's and she made right. And I remember, I remember, I remember when that when the, when Massey came back home, that the the, the homegirl said. But he, she kept, Missy kept on asking for him. Therefore, she right. wouldn't stop asking for him. She kept you know, asking for him. Like, right, it's just like at the end when, when the master's going to kill him, and, then, oh. and Ken Norton says, see, man, you don't know. You can't understand. What he's saying is that that white woman took off her clothes <laughs> and threw herself on me. So what the hell was I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm a slave. <laughs> I'm a slave. What the hell was I supposed to do? I thought you was I thought you was different, but you yeah, was just you just white. white. <laughs> <laughs> then he boiled his ass. Anyway, uh, horrific. That's what's going on now, black man. You'll be you'll be, movies, you'll be man. metaphysically boiled. That's what's happening. Metaphysically boiled. You see, and we All go right, from look. that to this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a joke. They're gonna do what they're gonna want to do. And you're gonna have these these co-signers now. These millennial co-signers gonna make it. It's gonna make it all right. Your Kanye's that say that I just don't understand. Uh, I don't understand Malcolm X. You believe he said that too? This is this is the, oh, this God. is the zeitgeist. You know, well, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. You know, they don't. I don't understand. They, they're they're old school. I don't understand them. You don't understand Malcolm X. You you definitely been hanging with the Kardashians too long, especially the worst now. The thing that happened to him is when his mother died. That's the worst thing. Now, I don't happened. even believe that. I don't think that's. I don't think that's it. He was speaking out of turn before his mother's death. He was he was doing you don't certain think his things. Mother would him out? I, I think his mother exacerbated what was already there because he mm. came on to came on in came on in in the scene with trying to to deconstruct some things in his own way. There's little things he was saying. He's always outspoken. He's always difficult. He always thought that he was better than other people. He was always this this genius. Trust me, he, this this is a path that he was going on. His mother's death might have made it worse. What he was doing, he was showing signs of speaking uh, out of turn, out of place. I see. I'm just saying. Well, anyway, okay. I'll let you guys go. You can continue on. Um, I appreciate it, man, as always. We're, we're going to go forward. Th- thank you, Serge, as always. Uh, let's, let's go to a, a, gro- a groove. <laughs> um, Q, I'm going to keep you in Q, and we're going to come back. we got a lot more to discuss. we got less than an hour to get into more stuff. Um, I think you know. I actually want to talk about Marvel's Agents of Shield. We spoke about Shield last week. They had the season season finale, and based on the finale, there's a lot to gather as far as, far as what's going to happen with the MCU. You know, this might be the, the this might be the point where we start to see more cross pollination, and which which is what the fans have been asking for. We might actually see more of that. I don't see how they're going to get around it based on the fact that it's not going to be coming back uh, for September of 2018, but sometime in the spring of 2019. So I'm very curious as to just, just what happened in, 
last week's episode and how, we, how it relates to the mythology. Folks, this is the Grindhouse, more groove. This is Pay Me, Pay Me, Philharmonic, Phil pardon me, Philharmonic, Pay Me. We'll be right back. Two minutes. One, two, three, get it. something else once again the great philharmonic pay me we're back live and direct 
Uh, we spoke about Deadpool at the top of the show, so definitely check us out on the on the replay, people. The call-in number remains the same, of course, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. I'm going to bring Q Storm back in. Q, can you hang out for a few? Yeah, well, I got a long okay. time ahead of me. Okay. What's happening is that um, the captain had to exit stage right, so I'm just for Delph. But uh, your family on the show, so no big deal. You can, uh, you know, you can do your thing. You know, your I hate to say your uh, compatriot, but he's been um, sending me DMs, uh, Aunt Pooh, to call to call in your show. And I guess whenever you guys are able to get that going, um, you know, I guess the scheduling has been off. We have our little battles on Twitter. And I think he's he knows that I perceive him to be trolling me. To get my goat on certain things, I don't believe. I don't believe what he. I don't believe what he believes. I don't believe what I believe. When I was incensed about this, uh, this deal with Billy D. Williams, he says certain things that just don't make sense to me. So I, I'll be. I have no problems checking out Michael Dean in the game, and I'll be respectful. Respectful, of course. But you know, if he thinks I'm going to like change my tune or I, I'm not allowed to have my opinion on certain things, he's sadly mistaken. You know, it is what it is. Uh, uh, well, I, I can say that uh, I know with Michael Dean, his Prince podcast, that's becoming the go-to reservoir for all things Prince. So he's, that's uh, his main his main thing now. We do, we'll do a show every now and then, but he's, he's on his come up with the Prince podcast. So there you go. Oh, yeah, I see that. I see that. Matter of fact, I saw this thing that, that uh, La Petite Prince guy that makes these Prince dolls. I know he was shut down a few years ago, although I thought that the doll making was kind of, was, was tight. But um, I guess maybe because, you know, everything's kind of a free-for-all now with Prince exposure. I mean, you know, the man himself shut down anything that came down to his image. But now, I mean, this is what it's about, unfortunately, is that when people die, you know, the windfall comes about. So, um, but I, that's not, has anything to do with Michael Dean, but it's more about, I saw that he, he, I think he actually interviewed the uh, petite, La Petite guy that makes Prince, Prince uh, dolls. Anyway, um, right before the break, I was talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I, I think last time we spoke, you said that you didn't see everything or you were kind of in and out of it. Where are you with S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know, I still got like 10 episodes, man. But I mean, if you got to, I mean, that's my bad. If you need to spoil, go ahead. But I have not sat down and watched it. There's so much good stuff on TV now. Um, but, yeah, no, nah, I haven't made any progress. Yeah, well, look, this particular season, you may want to kind of catch up on it because this is the first – well, not the first time, but to me, just in my opinion, it appears that they, they were a little bit more pronounced with connections to the MCU, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's always been this, this coyness about references between what happens on TV and what happens on, on the, in the silver screen, on the silver screen. But this time around, you know, when I looked at the, uh, the Mr. Paystar, what's his name? A- Anthony Paystar, I think. The, the gentleman that plays... Uh, you about to say something? Well, Anthony Paystar, that's an, that is a, he's a known act, actor, yes. Oh, yeah, I know him. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm mispronouncing. Is it Anthony Pazdar Paystar? 
I, anyway, um, we know him from Heroes going back a decade ago or such. But, uh, you know, listen, he, he's very prolific in this sci-fi fantasy field. So he played Agent... Um, uh, not Agent. Uh, Talbot. Talbot, Talbot uh, yeah. Glenn General, Talbot. Yeah, Glenn Talbot, who has been a long-standing character in Hulk mythology. And now he has somehow morphed into Graviton, costume and all. Costume and power set and all. So between seeing the seeing Graviton on screen, or at least on a small screen, and the direct reference to to Thanos, and, and now there are going to be some. I don't want to, again. I don't. I don't want to ruin it for you, but I'm, I'm very curious as to what's going to happen going into uh, 2019. I, I find it interesting that they, that they had, and I thought they were going to do it. I said, okay, there's no way they're going to bring back S.H.I.E.L.D. prematurely when we've got to get this, this Avengers 4 going. So there's, there's definitely going to be more of a connection with, with the storyline of S.H.I.E.L.D. and of, uh, of Avengers 4. So I well, I, I, I cannot go ahead go ahead. I was gonna say you may be right, but that makes it all the more, you know, it's just all the more interesting that we saw Samuel L. Jackson portray Nick Fury for the first time, and I don't know how long, and you saw what happened to him. I'm like, wait a minute, you brought him in just to do that. So I'm curious to see how Shield's going to integrate. Yeah, or, you know, or was uh, he still was he still on the outs at that point? Looked like he was back into the group, right? You're talking about he was driving around with the agent. Yeah, he was riding around with Agent Hill, so is, he's been back inculcated back into Shield. I, you know what? Well, listen, I, I, you can't you even you can't even say that's not part of uh, of uh, of that character of the characterization of Nick Fury. Nick Fury has always played this guy that is been he's in and out. You know, they didn't even they didn't really even explore the life model decoy aspect of it. There's parts of Shield, and I, this, that, that's, this is my only, and I've said this before on the show. Probably one of my my main criticisms of Shield on TV is that if Shield was really Shield, Shield is is, is so expansive as a spy organization that it is more deserving of it really being on the silver screen. I mean, it started out with the helicarrier and all that kind of stuff. It could have really almost usurped Bond mythology because they're spies, but they also interact with superheroes. I mean, the, something like that on the silver screen we've really never seen for light. Maybe the expense of doing a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie, I don't know. But, but S.H.I.E.L.D., unless, unless you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of goes back on the silver screen, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen with Marvel going, in, going beyond Phase 4. But shield with the flying cars, the inverted tires, and all that. I mean, you know, uh, if anything, shield could have potentially given some of the non-powered heroes more shine. Uh, maybe you know, Black Widow supposed to be getting her, her own movie, but Black Widow and Hawkeye and Captain America, all those characters could have really, and then and the other characters. But to have those characters interact in a spy genre as a comic book superhero film. Would have been revolutionary, but they played it. They played it on a small level, on 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 TV. 
I think I think they did the fans a disservice by by having it on TV that way. You know, it is what I, it is. I would agree. I would agree. Like like that first season, I would agree. But I, I I do think that show came into its own, even despite what you're saying as being accurate. I do think it came into its own as its own type of shield property for TV. I mean, that show was really that show was really hit all cylinders around what season three, would you say? Now, but the fact that you know, listen, all these spy, you know, going back into the into the, um, the I guess the height of the spy genre in the '60s, like everything was about spies. You're talking about fatigue with superheroes. Spies, the, the spy genre was superhero genre of its time in the 1960s, because you dealt with kind of people doing extraordinary things, and you're also dealing with gadgetry. So one would say that with the limitations, you didn't have CGI back then. But you still had stunt people. You, you know, you had a, you had a whole thing that was very. Uh, listen, you could look at any 1960 representation of Bond, and it still stands the test of time. And it, it didn't deal with CGI. It just it just dealt with with wizardry. It dealt it dealt with um, you know people being able to, that were proficient on it on a technical level of bringing that to the silver screen. But um, if you were to bring the spy genre. In this world, where you do have CGI, I think that it would have been something different. You know, it, it would have actually deconstructed the spy genre by having superheroes and kind of an otherworldliness connected to what we've always seen. It would have been something different. And then, and also to, see, to have a black man running it would have been something different as well. But that's not what it is. But even, but like you said, it came, it came into its own on TV, and uh, 2019 is going to be interesting. But I thought what happened this this past Friday, uh, even the acting, I will say this too, the acting's next level. Like they play they play this stuff very straight. It's not really done for goof. Goof it's, it's pretty serious, pretty pretty tragic. You know, some there's some tragedies, not to give anything away, but there's some tragedies in this um in this last episode. Um but hey, these tragedies that were in this that were in this T V show might be reversed. You know, all things, all things willing. I have no idea what Avengers Four is going to be like, but we we know full and well there's there's going to have to be. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some stuff that's going to remain. Some people are going to remain dead, but for the but for you know, for the sake of upcoming sequels, a lot of those people are not going to be dead. Maybe the folks that were well, formerly dead will be alive. I have no idea. Well, I, I think I heard someone theorize that. Um, all the people that died were actually scrolls, and if, if they do that, I'm done. But um, uh, you you mentioned that in this final episode of Shield that is a big tragic dramatic moment. I'm gonna say it, it can't be tragedies. Tragedy. Oh, okay. It Plural. can't be any better or worse. It can't be any worse or more dramatic than the episode where I think um, what's his name, Henry Thomas. Yes. The guy who plays Max. Henry Simmons. When he lost his daughter. Henry Simmons. Henry, Henry Simmons. Simmons. Henry Thomas was a guy from E.T. Yeah. Um, when he lost his daughter in the Matrix yeah. or in the, um, yeah. I forget what they called it. I mean, that was that was the Emmy-winning moment right there. <laughs> lost his daughter again. So oh, right. Exactly. So if it's bigger than that, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, listen, can I just take two minutes? Sure. To geek out a little bit 
and talk about last Tuesday's cold open for the Flash. Yeah, I have go not ahead. seen anything better. I have not seen anything. Maybe the wedding scene in Crisis on Earth X. I think it was the crossover of all the CW properties. Maybe that wedding scene site is comparable. But I haven't seen anything as badass as that done on TV. To me, that blew away the Rogue One hall scene, hallway scene with Vader. Uh, that was awesome. Did you see that? I did. The thinker. You mean the thinker going in the, the thinker hallway scene? Yes. Well, it was pretty. That really was. That really uh, was badass for TV. For 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 the limitations I mean, of CGI for TV, it was pretty. It was pretty compelling. The actor who I always thought was funny looking, up until that point, he sold that man. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, you know, I, I listen. Uh, I've said this uh, countless times that uh, I have a special affinity for the Flash because uh, even as a kid, I was called Professor Zoom when, when I when I could run fast. It was between Professor Zoom and Kid Flash. I was given those two names. Um, you know, when you're a teenager and you're running around, when I could actually run fast, I thought I could run fast. I was kind of given those names, and plus I was a comic book guy back then, so that, that's one of the reasons why. So I have. And and also the fact that as I said, the first comic book, the first book that got me interested in collecting was that book. Like it was pretty much the first book I remember reading, and uh, I was compelled by the Flash's story. And it's funny that you know as we're talking about that particular scene from last week's episode, um, it makes me think. As much as I enjoy the Flash, that you know season four has been a bit trying. Uh, I appreciate that it wasn't another speedster villain. That this guy can outthink the Flash, so you know his power set is interesting to me. But it was—it's been kind of all over the place a little bit for me, and it's just—you know—there's a lot of stuff played for goofs. I think you even mentioned uh, the the multiple Harrisons. You know, that's real, real goofy. You know what I mean? It's kind of goofy. But uh, I will say, I agree 100. It's—it's been all over the place, and it's a long time getting to where we are now. You're right. But I, I, I got to say this, and again, you know, Ryan Reynolds is poking fun, and it's kind of, you know, it is what it is. There's no way to get around it. He was, he was as, a, as a fourth wall character, he was really giving it to DC, right? Um, and, I, I, you know, between your comments about the hallway scene with the thinker and what Ryan Reynolds has done this past weekend in the comments he made as, as, as the character Deadpool. I'm thinking that uh, someone mentioned about, someone mentioned the flash and mentioned Andy circus. Like, you know, we know Andy circus, uh, he's that dude, he's that motion capture dude. Although he's a rather proficient actor. Uh, we saw that in black Panther, but um, if it may, someone mentioned that, well, if they were going to do a grod on screen, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be amazing for someone like Andy Serkis, who plays Simeons in the Planet, Planet of the Ape franchise, to, to see that rogue's villain in Flash on screen? And it got me to think that, you know, Flash could be more compelling on the silver screen, but DC just can't get this stuff going. 
DC, you know, Flash, you're reminded that Flash's villain, Flash's rogues gallery is as compelling as Batman's rogues gallery if we're going to keep it 100. But it's got to, but they, they, they've got to be, they've got, they got to be played for keeps. They got to be played the right way. And I don't know if, you know, if Ezra Miller, who I think is a great actor, but I just don't see him as the Flash really. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, he doesn't do it for me. And it's just this, this constant missteps with what the DC universe is supposed to be. They, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if they will ever get this back. I don't know what's going on. Now I'm gonna, I want to segue since we're on this, and to the, to our listeners, I see other callers. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, simply press one. If you press one, that way we know you want to join in on the conversation. And again, the caller number is six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five. Nine six two zero. Press one if you want to join in. Join in. If not, I'm assuming you're listening on hold. Anyway, um, so we're talking about DC and how things get, how things are kind of screwy. Uh, what are your thoughts about Batwoman and by extension Gotham being being seen in this forthcoming season of Arrow? Did you hear about that? Batwoman, the character. Gonna make her. She's gonna premiere on Arrow. Yeah, um, I don't watch Arrow, uh, but I would say thus far, I think CW has knocked it out of the park with all of their crossovers. I mean, if you can cross over Legends of Tomorrow, and you actually get me considering watching that show after after seeing the crossover, I say bring it on. Uh, now, what I'm confused about is how when they say they're going to cross over Gotham, are they talking about the Gotham? They're talking about the Gotham no, no, no. TV show. No, let me, let me be more clear. Gotham as the city, not Gotham as the TV ah. show. Okay, okay. At least not to. I mean, no, I, I, know, I, read, I know. I read that as well. Yeah. I mean, I know clearly that it is it is Gotham as a character as a. Another place, you know, if there's a star city, there is a Gotham just as there is uh, – where's Barry Allen from? Why can't I think of his city? National Central city, city, right? National? Central well, isn't it – well, I'm, is it, isn't it Central City in, in – uh, I know it's Central City in mythology. Is it Central City on TV? I don't know. You see, the Central City – it's not, not Star Labs. It's Star – I think it is Central City. No, no, well, it's, it's National City, isn't it? It's National City. I know. I think Joe is with the National City Police Department. No, you know it's Central City. No, it's, it's Central. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking I, at the wiki. I'm looking at the wiki page for Flash, the TV series, and it says that he was a socially awkward crime scene investigator for the Central City Police Department. Right, National City I mean, is Supergirl. Yeah, so there's, there's no real there's no real need. Like, why would they change that? You know, there's no it wouldn't mean anything for the you know why not have it as Central City. So anyway, uh, you know, you you have a Central City, you have a Star City. Why not have a Gotham City? But they this whole thing would again, how DC conducts business. This whole bat embargo, you know, to, to the audience, bat embargo is kind of a generalized term where uh, the suits at Warner Brothers have this thing about not allowing for there to be cross-pollination with 
TV and 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 silver screen movies, um, or even just not really uh, having even when a movie's not in play, even if even if there is not a Batman going like in the present, Batman on a Batman movie. Like right now, there is no there is not a Batman in the Batman movie. They still will not allow for that for that IP. I mean, as a business intellectual property to interact with some of what's going on on the CW. It also kind of references even back in the days uh, with the Super Friends where they could not have Black Lightning as a character. So they had Black Vulcan. Black Vulcan was essentially Black Lightning, but they just couldn't interact for some reason. So many, maybe that was a Tony Isabella thing. Tony Isabella was the, is the creator of Black Lightning. So maybe, maybe they didn't want to pay him there's a whole bunch of chicanery going on when it comes down to DC specifically not allowing certain characters to show up. So, uh, well, uh, as a I'll proxy, say this for, much. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, as, I mean, as, a say, proxy, as a proxy, as a proxy for as a proxy for Batman not being able to show, they're going to have Batwoman. And just as we spoke about, and this is this is not to put out like to give a shot or like, like shade. But the fact that uh, you ha- we had this whole pansexual argument or discussion about Han Solo, the demographics and certain kinds of agendas, I think that um, she fulfills a certain agenda. But I think she fulfills that agenda naturally, that this, this um, Batwoman is, is a lesbian character, and I, th- I think they, they're definitely going to explore that, and there's a way to explore – that mythology or that that lifestyle and that demographic, uh, you know, it, it fulfills a lot of things going on. But at least it's not like, at least it fits. It's not really kind of shoehorning anything in. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead, Q. I'll just make it simple. Uh, they got they got by with the Flash, you know, having the Flash, the main character on the on the, lead its own TV show. Versus the character in uh, Justice League, but to your point about them not uh, having uh, Batman show up, cross-pollinating Batman, I- I'm glad they're not because after seeing what they did to Superman on Supergirl, how that turned out, don't do it. <laughs> I'd-, I'd rather you let Batman, you know, fester a little bit and come back with a good movie, and just give me that one. I know they're going to do a good job because they've, they've proven themselves thus far. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, you know, um, with Supergirl, actually, I, I enjoy Supergirl for what the, the show is. Um, they go into a lot of mythology. I mean, look, uh, one could even say Legends of Tomorrow was kind of like Team Deadpool. That it's, it's completely, like, comedic or half comedic. I mean, it's not really played seriously. Uh, it's a way to kind of give uh, red meat, <laughs> to use a political term, red meat to, to, to the geeks by showcasing certain characters. I mean, you've had, you even had some of the Justice, Justice Society involved. Um, they play with time. They play with a whole bunch of stuff. So it's, not, it's like, for whatever reason, that particular show is not played for real serious, although they've had moments where they were serious. But for the most part, it's, it's three-quarters comical. Uh, the other stuff that's going on, like Black Lightning, which we have yet to see connected to any of this stuff, but maybe at some point they might connect 
Black Lightning. Um, see, the CW on TV gets gets it a little closer to what we would what we would expect and what many fans would want to see from WBDC superhero properties versus what they're doing on the big screen. On the big screen, they just can't seem to get it right. But I I will say that Batwoman, however it's played, I mean, I, first of all, I hope that they get her costume accurate. You know, she kind of has a, a, a red and black theme, um, red hair or red wig. Um, it, it'd be interesting. And also the gadgetry and the, and, and the martial arts fighting. She's also military. She's got a, an, interesting, an interesting backstory. She's also Jewish. So there's a lot of stuff. She's Jewish, le- Jewish lesbian, um, military. Uh, she, she's got a, a, a certain fighting pro- prowess. To see how they do that, the, 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 the gadgetry and stuff, it'll be interesting if they do her the right way. And also the fact that there's going to be a Gotham in the Arrowverse. They kind of are hinting. They're hinting that, well, look, you have a Supergirl on the CW. You might see a Batwoman on the CW. You might. Uh, Vixen, to me, would have been worthy because of what we saw in Black Panther. I mean, you know, listen, they're two different characters, but she is an African character with the whole mythology. and There's a lot they could do with that. But she's relegated to a a cartoon on CW seed. So and I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're doing over there at CW, but a lot of what they do, at least for the geeks, they, they get close to honoring the mythology of the character. They really do. So uh, I'm have not mad. Any, at, have, there been, have there been any press photos? I know I saw one photo where it had all of them in a line. It had the Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, I think. Uh, I don't remember seeing that woman. Has there been any press photos, and has there been an actress named that part? Well, um, they just announced this thing. I mean, they literally just announced this thing. So I I really can't say for sure uh, what's going on there. You know, um, it was that I think it was that a recent uh, Stephen Stephen Amell himself. And I think some other uh, bigwig, I think maybe Andrew Kreisberg or someone like that, one of those bigwigs and the actor himself, they just made the announcement. So I'm not sure if we know, of any, if we know anything. And again, you know, it's, it's been hanging around. This is, this is for the seventh season, by the way. But I kind of fell off of Arrow, too. You know, Arrow just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Matter of fact, uh, I put out this tweet. Uh, and this, is really about, this is really a critique of, of Marvel. I'm just getting back into um, uh, what is this thing, man? Uh, into the Badlands. Just getting back into the, ba- into the Badlands. And I was thinking that one, one of the flaws of the Marvel, Marvel Universe is Iron Fist. The fighting in Iron Fist Season 1. <laughs> it, it, you know, listen, it, was, it was just, I mean, come on. Come on. And I'm looking at Into Into the Badlands. Into the Badlands is not, uh, a, 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 at least I don't think it is, is like this big budgeted TV show. You know, it's kind of been a, it's in this dystopic, feudal, dystopic feudalized world. But the fighting man, you know, the fighting definitely is reminiscent of the, the Shaw 
Shaw Brothers production team in, in uh, China. It, it it reminds you of that. I mean, it's done. I mean, you suspend belief, but it, but it's done in such a way. And I'm like, okay, this is the kind of stuff I would want. I would have expected for Iron Fist. And I put out this tweet. Not that anybody, but you know, who knows who reads these tweets? Probably nobody. But I was just said, like, and after seeing episode uh, one, because I'm going back now, episode one, season three of Into the Badlands, the fighting is on point, man. I mean, look, Daredevil's fighting is on point. Why is Iron Fist all of a sudden lacking? I don't get it. Iron Fist is, listen, Daredevil, if anything, is not a martial artist in the same, in the same way. He is actually, but not in the same way as Iron Fist. Iron Fist is, I mean, it's, it's Tarzan. That's one of the things that's kind of problematic also because we're in this new space. That's one of the reasons why I was critiqued is that, you know, it's, it's a white man usurping Asian culture and doing it better. I'm saying in quotes, in quotes, doing it better than a person of Asian descent. Be that as it may, if you're going to do it, at least do it where it's some hot. It's on. It, it, it's 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 on some hotness. Iron Fist is not on some hotness. How do how do you do it into the Badlands in a certain way, and you don't do Iron Fist that way? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, before you even ask that question, how do you cast that guy to play Iron Fist? That's the first question. I I understand it's important well, to get an I actor. Mean, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just, I mean, I don't know if eventually they were planning on teaming up, uh, doing a mini, doing a limited series with, uh, you know, Power okay. Man and uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist for the book. I don't see those two fighting together at all. I, I see Luke Cage like, get this dude away from me, please. I can't stand this dude. Well, I, do- I doubt Mike Coulter, the actor, is going gonna, is gonna to rock the boat. Because you know he's he, he's on a windfall now. He's a working actor. That's not going to happen. And these and these again, these guys are just actors. They're not. They may not be looking at it as deeply as say Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, who uh, you're reminded again in this film. You're reminded because he is he's done it for comic effect, but he's even spouting off uh, issues of comic books in his banter. You know what I mean? It's one character that makes an appearance, and when he as he's talking to the character. He's spouting off, oh, I saw you in blah, 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 issue, blah, blah, blah. So he does that kind of stuff. So, Ryan Reynolds is, is into the culture. Probably why the movie does what it does. These guys, I don't know if they're really into the culture that way. I mean, you know, they don't necessarily have to be, but it's nice when they are. But, but, as you, but yeah, he's, unfortunately, he's going to be in season two of Luke Cage. And I, I already heard that uh, based on the trailer, I mean, this is not even a spoiler or anything. Uh, but I can't. I confess, I cannot wait for season two, Luke Cage. But in the trailer, you see that he gets his ass handed to him by someone that seems to have uh, equal or dare I say superior power set. And now, it, it, believe it or not, Danny Rand comes in to help train Luke Cage on how to fight. So no, yeah. no, yeah, that's oh. going on. That's going on. Uh, and, it, it, and, and on top of that, you also saw in the trailer 
that he was doing some kind of video montage. Like he, he's already kind of accepting accepting the celebrity status in Harlem, and they're, they're hinting at this whole hero for hire situation. So there's going to be some kind of business element to Luke Cage, and you can clearly see there's, there's going to be some kind of connect, connection to the mythology of hero for hire. And, I, and it's going to be something about him training this guy who can't fight. Talked about Danny Rand training Luke Cage. It's going to happen. That's just uh, two words, failing upwards. Wow. Yes. Yes. It is what it is. It is what it is. You know, the other thing is, I just don't think Coulter, and I, I you know, I did a review of the, of the series. I mean, he's, he's cool and all, he just doesn't have that attitude that that he would be a hero for hire. I mean, he's not, he's a little bit too staid and stoic. You know what I'm saying? I just, well, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go full tilt with it. I mean, I think, I, I think, I think that, you know, from what I can tell and what I've been reading, that they're going to reference it. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to open up a storefront and like go into it like they did in the 70s. I don't know if it's going to go that deep. So don't, 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 you know, don't follow my words that closely. But there's definitely going to be a hint of the team up of Danny Rand and a hint of the friendship between these two. They could have de- listen. The first guy that I thought of, I think he thought he was going to get the gig. Oh man, what's his name? And he and he also favors Danny Rand, but I, I perceive him to be a better actor. Ah, uh, damn. What's the guy's name? Who's that? He, he was in. Uh, he would have been perfect. He was getting in shape. And he's he's a little older, although he looks he always he's another one that has that eternal youth youth thing going on. Um, I'm looking it up looking him up right now. But he was in uh, Cruel Intentions. If you remember that that actor. Oh, uh, Felipe Ryan Felipe. Right. Yeah, Ryan Felipe was connected to the Iron Fist thing, and I believe Ryan Felipe. Is a martial artist, believe it or not. Really? So he has some, yeah. I think he has some ability. So I mean, and it looked like he was getting in shape and everything. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Listen, it could have been a scheduling thing. Because I'm looking at, a, I'm looking at a picture of Ryan Felipe. He looks like Iron Fist. Well, you know, my choice would have been. Uh, he's no longer with us, but. And he would have been part of the Fast and Furious franchise, but Paul Walker, I thought he, I thought he would have made before they even thought about doing Iron Fist. I thought he would have been perfect. He had the perfect look. Yeah, but I think Ryan Felipe is a real actor, though, man. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, listen. I mean, you know, this. Hey, Paul. Paul Walker wasn't really. You know, he was like. You know, I mean, he was. He. He, he was into a certain genre. And Ryan Felipe is kind of a real, kind of a, you know. See, I'm looking at this thing right now. Uh, Ryan Felipe is a Taekwondo artist. Yeah, 50, he's, uh, 50, 50 celebrities who train a form of martial arts. The guy was, is a martial artist or has, some, or has some martial art proficiency, which I'm pretty sure right. would have looked, okay. looked like something on screen. Now, why he didn't become okay. Iron Fist, I, will never, I don't get that. Maybe, what, maybe they couldn't afford him. I don't know. Fact, yeah, I can't see that. That can't be it. <laughs> yeah, that see, matter of fact, it. I'm looking at something here. Back in 2015, 
he was on a Howard Stern, and I think he was hinting at the Iron Fist thing. Yeah, here it is. He says, uh, this is from 2015. It says, a, a breathless rumor from earlier today has been shot down. Shot, okay, shot down. After Ryan Felipe recently appeared on Howard Stern, where he revealed that Marvel has been interested has been interested in talking with him about a project. Marvel is interested in talking about a Netflix series. Possibly, the Daredevil series is great. Then quickly led to speculation that Felipe would take on the lead in the last remaining Marvel Netflix series that has yet to cast its titular hero, Iron Fist. So is Philip Felipe playing Danny Rand? See, already this is when I when he was involved. When he was involved, I was already I was already like, okay, I'm good. Because at, at best, you know, it says he says Ryan Felipe is 43. Uh, Sean Chris, but, but let's be honest, Ryan Felipe looks maybe 10 years younger than him. He looks he looks he's in, he's in good shape, man. He has a very youthful look. He could have put listen. Almost everybody everybody involved in Marvel is damn near 40 something. I, ironically, even that's been even that even that kind of trope has been has been broken. There's a quite a few forty somethings well, rolling around in Marvel. That money, man. I just know anything. Anything would be better than what we got. I'd take anything over what we got. I couldn't even tell you the actor's name was playing Iron Fist right now. Uh, Finn Jones. Yeah, Finn Jones. I just removed. There Finn you Jones, go. But, Finn. Yeah, but Finn. There you go. <laughs> But you, you know, know what? You know my history with the name Finn. <laughs> what? What? Oh yeah. Well, well, listen. They, hey, is, is there a theme going on? They want to. They want to experiment with the, the with the with the black guy. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but but a, a, anybody of whatever persuasion you you are, whatever persuasion, you must admit, they seem to be comfortable at tinkering with, tinkering with black male characters. Like again, we clearly see. That Finn has uh, has uh, uh, a crush on the male, female lead. The public wants it to be something else. Why can't we? Why can't we see what we see on screen, Q? Why Deva, don't, they, don't don't go down. Don't don't go into those weeds, man. I I just brought it up as a side thing. Don't don't start that argument. No, I mean you know, uh, Captain America is offensive to some people. His his heterosexuality, his masculinity is offensive to some of these people. What what, what is that? I mean, that, that is is that any different than some people thinking that the blackness of Black Panther is offensive? You know what I mean? How absurd is it going to be? Anyway, I'm, as you say, I'm not going to go into that. We got about 15 minutes remaining, so let's finish it up a little bit. We have a few things I want to cover, and then we'll close shop. Again, folks, this is the Grindhouse. We have Q Storm sitting in from PodcastJuice.net and, of course, the infamous Red, Red Shirts podcast. Um, the lines are still open, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. So um, I'm hearing a few things that are, are, are interesting. First, uh, speaking about these, these uh, movie houses that refuse to give up, <laughs> we see that the DCEU – for all intents and purposes, I guess, is spearheading forward. I don't know how that is going to be. I mean, you have a Wonder Woman that's successful, so you're not going to be able – you're not going to dismantle Wonder Woman. Aquaman, hopefully, 
does what it's supposed to do. I hope it, I hope that Aquaman is actually good and makes money. We have no idea what's going to happen if there's going to be a Justice League 2. I mean, right now there's no talk about it. I mean, the, the movie took, you know, you have, you have movies like Deadpool that can outpace Justice League. I mean, that's telling you something. Your movies suck if Deadpool can outpace you. I mean, you're doing something, you're clearly doing something wrong. Ant-Man is going to make more money than, than, than the entirety of... If Ant-Man, the tiniest hero, can beat Superman, Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Cyborg, you suck. Well, it's not, not even up for debate. It's not even debatable. You got to adjust what you said, because Aquaman Flash, and Flash didn't show up. I don't know who those characters were. That was not Aquaman and Flash. And Superman didn't show up until, like, the last half of the movie. So it makes it even worse. He, he only had to beat Batman, Wonder Woman, and uh, who was the other character? Because those other two characters, they were not Aquaman and Flash. I'm sorry. Well, what I'm segueing into is now Universal Monsters, which I was actually excited about from the beginning. But because there have been some missteps, we, there was a Dracula movie that I think was actually – Somewhat based on the real uh, Vlad. What was it? Was it that that historical figure, the Impaler? Vlad the Impaler. The Impaler. Yeah. 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 Vlad the Impaler is. I mean, the Dracula mythology somewhat comes from that. So they tried. I I, I never saw that movie. I think the captain saw that movie, and I think he said the movie really wasn't bad. But they were they were going to use that that Dracula as a starting point. For a Universal Monsters universe, not that dissimilar from Marvel universe. Comics. The Dark Universe. Yeah, yeah, the Dark Universe. It's called the Dark Universe, and that was going to be the first one, but it didn't make any real money. It was it was fin- it was financially not successful. So then you had the Mummy with Tom Cruise, and they were going to say, okay, let's 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 scrap, let's scrap that Daredevil. That doesn't. Ca- I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Dracula. Let's scrap that Dracula, and let's begin with let's begin with the Mummy. And the Mummy, I believe, wasn't didn't do well. I don't, I, does the Mummy make any mum, any money? Q. I don't know for sure. I, I I I would guess it did, but not enough to say let's continue forward. I doubt that. Yeah. So the, the, that movie didn't do what it was supposed to do. So now I think there's been like, well, you know, where's this dark universe going? But I think there's, there's allegedly, they're still looking to kind of go into this thing. So I think they're going to do a werewolf movie now. But I thought, I thought it was interesting that they are trying to make this thing work, which is similar to DCEU. So what are your thoughts about, about there being such a thing as a dark universe and, you know, this whole need to copycat the success of Marvel? What are your thoughts about the dark universe? I just think, honestly, I've said this before. I know these are classic characters. I just don't think anybody cares anymore. I, I, the werewolf, the mummy, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein. Uh, what was that movie that, that uh, Hugh Jackman starred in uh, where he was the vampire hunter? I can't remember. Uh, all these movies. Uh, they, Van, Hel- Van Helsing. Van yeah. Helsing. They all tank. 
no one cares about these. I mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but no one cares about these classic characters. Just like no one cared about uh, John Carter from Mars. No one cared about Tarzan. What were some other films that they, they uh, The Shadow bombed. Uh, the Spirit bombed. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but no one cares anymore. Well, I think you know, it's look. a mistake. Yeah, well, see, okay, this is what's happening here. The, the, I'm looking at The Mummy. Now, the, I, you know, listen, I guess the metrics weren't made, weren't met. But it says, yeah, this is kind of weird. See, the budget, you're, not get, you're getting that Hollywood shenanigans again. It says the budget is anywhere between 125 and 195 million. That's a, that's a pretty, you know, that, that's, not, that's a little too steep. Is it 125 or is it 195? Because the box office was 409 million. So to me, if it was 125 and you made 409 million, you are borderline, you know, you're kind of sort of you kind of half made it. We understand that there's marketing, marketing costs and so forth. But if you're talking about 195, which is close to 200 million, it probably was a failure. 125 at 125 to 409, even factoring marketing costs is probably um you know, you, you might have been able to keep yourself afloat. When you're getting co- close to 200 million, it probably was a box office failure. So I, I don't know why the, why you have like this this discrepancy as to how much it costs to make this film. That's the Hollywood Hollywood infamous infamous Hollywood accounting. I never saw the Mummy. Well, you know, I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise fan. I'm just not. I, you know, I know that even some in the, some in our own inner sanctum when we saw the trailer. For Mission Impossible, I think some of us are going to see Mission Impossible. Um, I, I just don't know something about Tom Cruise. Eh. I think the last time I actually liked Tom Cruise, it was Tropic Thunder. What he what he was at wow. Tom Cruise. Well, and he was he, barely he, in that movie. <laughs> yeah, but look, he's barely in it. But look, he he didn't play himself. He was in makeup. He was dancing. He was like. He was not him. He got out of his own way. Yeah, you know, I see what you're saying. The problem with Tom Cruise is that he bought into him, into him being a movie star. He is so much into being a movie star. And I hear stories about how he acts. He doesn't act like a normal guy. You know, he acts a little like every move, every move he makes is like means something. Other actors have said that when he comes over to the house to play like cards and stuff, he doesn't act. He acts. He acts a little off. I mean, you know, that could just be hearsay, well, but it kind of comes off on screen. That's that Scientology that work. I think that could be too. That could be it too. So anyway, I used to be I, a huge fan. I, I used to be a huge fan, but not so much after I learned more about his views of life and religion, Scientology. I, I'm not so much anymore, but I think he still puts out good movies. It's just. He's locked into one thing. He can't get out of that thing now. The action, the aging action star. Well, that's another thing too. Tom Cruise was like kind of a all-around actor in the '80s. Like he was doing all kinds of things. He really wasn't. He really wasn't just uh, a a action guy. Now it seems like he's kind of heavily reliant on that genre, where before he was kind of all over the place. You know, he really was that dude. Now he's morphed into something else. Still successful, I guess. I mean, he's still successful, clearly. But um, I don't know. I, yeah, sometimes I think well, I now... Mentioned earlier, he, he, he's, 
his movie, um, his movie Jerry Maguire. That was the only movie yeah. I think he he was well, he was nominated for Oscar for that and for uh, Magnolia. Fourth of July. Both Fourth of those were dramatic. Both of those were. Oh right, and for both Fourth of July, all those movies were dramatic film roles, not action roles. What's well, what I'm saying? In the listen, in the '80s and even the '90s, he was the go-to guy for just about everything. And I, I, I think back then, before he started really being interviewed in a certain way, I mean, every, really, what his downfall, unfortunately, was him bouncing on that couch on Oprah's I show. I think so. I mean, I mean, <laughs> look, it's almost like uh, who was the, the governor of Vermont that did that screaming? He was. He oh, was the. Howard Dean. Howard Dean. You know, look, I'm I'm willing to give Howard Dean a pass. He was kind of, you know, just kind of just being goofy and kind of being over the top, and that they they went somewhere with that. The funny thing is, is that we're accepting of Trump's idiosyncrasies. You know, maybe that's what's what's wrong. Trump, we accept his idiosyncrasies. Tom Cruise, we're not. Tom Cruise kind of went somewhere on that on that couch, and then the Scientology thing, and he's kind of like the lead point guy for the for the religion. I mean, it's, it's just a mess. It's just a mess, but I'm pretty sure that this uh, that this this latest Mission Impossible is going to make its money. So it is what it is. But anyway, I, I'll close out on this. That you know, I, I hope that the dark that the dark universe is able to work things out. I'm not so sure about you know. I, I respect your opinion, but these characters have been around for so long. People who know how to um, make them fresh again. You you, you can't e- never say. That these characters, oh, well, they're too old. No, they can't relate. They know how to. They know how to kind of. They're never going to go anywhere. Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, these classic characters. Behind with the right writer, you would be surprised as to what they could do with them. See, this this is when I can see. This is when I can see actually doing some differences with the casting, because they're so old, and they've been done so many times. Then, then, then you might want to do some tinkering. You see what I mean? Maybe there's talk of a bride of Frank. There's, there's, well, there's, there's, there's talk of a bride of Frankenstein in this thing. There was supposed to, there was supposed to be a bride of Frankenstein movie. Now, if they had an actress of color as that bride, that might have been interesting. It really wouldn't have taken anything away well, from the mythology. I'll tell you real quick. The, the history bears out what I'm saying. I Frankenstein, starring Aaron Eckhart, who was hot at the time. Tank. League of Extraordinary oh, no. Gentlemen with Sean Connery. Tank. No one cares about these characters anymore. No, but then you had Penny Dreadful that was on for three seasons, I think, on Showtime. And Penny Dreadful, Penny Dreadful was masterful. And it had well, those classic characters. You hit on something. Maybe they need to go on the small screen. That's a good point. Something's yeah, not working on the big screen. If 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 and I would you know it's on, it's, it's on uh, Netflix now. I would I would advise the listenership that if you if you ever got a chance to check out. I mean, first of all, it was visually disturbing. I mean, it was it was some things going on. Um, you know you know what it is those characters because they're like old unless you unless you purposely try to modernize them. If you don't try to modernize the characters, I mean, you you could do whatever you want. You could modernize them. On one side, and also going to have kind of you know an old world, uh, an old world kind of thing with them. You, you could definitely have a a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the that mythology, a cyberpunk or whatever. What not cyberpunk? What is it? Oh, uh, steampunk. 
Stiff, thank you. You you can you can reference a steampunk old world thing with these characters. But if you're going to do that, like you said, it probably works better for a Netflix series. Because because when I saw them, just like how they look, you don't really need over the top CGI for something that's meant to be eighteen ninety. You just don't. That might be you might be on to something. Because I think there's a place for these characters. I really do. I mean, Sherlock, BBC Sherlock, man, I, that sold me on Benedict Cumberbatch. My whole family watches that show. Well, look, that, that, was, that, that, that catapulted his career. Let's keep it 100. It's from that that, it's, that he's doing these big-budget movies. It is what it is. Q, we got less than a minute remaining. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we'll be back at it again on Wednesday to our, for our listening audience. I'm pretty sure the Uncanny Daryl B will be in tow, and you know we can really dig deep. And there's only so much I can really say about Deadpool 2 because I don't want to really give away anything, but we will get it in on Wednesday. And th- there's so much to unpack uh, as far as what I think could potentially – what it could potentially mean for other films if if this Disney-Fox thing goes on. Comcast might have other – uh, they may have something else to think about, but I'm assuming that deal may go forward. I, at least I hope it does. Anyway, uh, always a pleasure. Let's go out with some Robert Glasper. This is I'm Leaving You. It's a Miles Davis interpretation by Robert Glasper. We'll get it in on Wednesday, folks, 7 p.m. It's for real. Appreciate it. Oh.